Hello. Hey, uh, did you bring the patio with you? What? Do you have the patio? What are you talking about? I think someone stole the patio, dude. It's I, not it's here. It's not there. We just took a I break. I like to put Tara out there and the patio's not there. Oh, the whole patio's gone? Yeah. Someone, someone took it or I thought you had maybe had it with you. Yeah, no. I brought it with me. It's in my car. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> Excuse me? Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. We have a listener recommendation we're going to be checking out next week. Uh, Chaplin, thank you very much for uh, recommending Lake Mungo from 2009. Australian film, I believe it's... I haven't seen Lake Mungo. I think it's like a found footage. Kind of, yeah. I've heard great things about it. Lake Mungo is on Tubi for free right now, or VOD. And we're also going to be talking about The Sadness at long last, we have been waiting for this movie called The Sadness. Um, it's a production from Taiwan, but the filmmaker, the writer and director is Canadian. So I don't know what that means. I don't think we've ever seen a movie from Taiwan before on the show. I don't think no, so No, this will be a first. The Sadness we've been like waiting for for, I'd say, a year now. It's been out. It was it was in the theaters in Germany last year. It was in the theaters in some countries. It's already played a theater run in Canada. Uh, Raven Banner acquired it last year, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting because the word on the street is that it is one of the most um, gnarliest, bloodiest zombie-type movies ever made. We're going to see if that holds true because by the time you hear this, the sadness will be on Shudder. At long last. Yeah, this is one of the rare movies that I'll keep a tab open in my Safari just to remind myself to find out when it's coming out. But it's also one of the rare movies that like all of us kept texting about and be like, oh, I heard it's coming out here. Heard it's coming out. And then Dave texted us and was like, it's on Shutter this day. And I was like, finally, I can no. close this fucking tab. That was Trent. That was Trent. Oh, I had all the, the wrong oh, information. Oh, okay. <laughs> Reddit trolls. Sorry. I was just like, oh my God, it's coming out Very honorable of you, Dave, to give Trent the full credit he deserves and that I Dave, do not remember. Dave is our man on Reddit. He was telling us all the fake information from Reddit all along. It's not even on Reddit. It's through Safari because I don't even have the app. I'm just a, a tourist there and I just believe everything I see. <laughs> I've been checking the Raven Banner Twitter page ever since I found out they, they acquired it. Yeah, uh, earlier this year, like every couple weeks, I'm like, all right, Raven Banner, when is the announcement? So the sadness is on Shutter. Can't wait to see that. This week, it's Kevin's House Week. It's Kevin's house. Kevin's house. Kind of like Harry's house. I'm not familiar. That'll make more sense later. Um, <laughs> we've got two movies, uh, both from last year, both um, involving houses, both uh, from filmmakers that we've talked about before on the show. Um, good to be back in the uh, contemporary realm uh, after some throwback weeks. Uh, we're going to start, I understand, with a movie called The Deep House. Yes, The Deep House. So... 2021, this one was written and directed by Alexandra Bustillo and Julian Mori. We've talked about Inside, which was their 
directorial debut and was a huge part of the new French extremity movement, which was a very early episode for Speak All Evil. But four. they've done a bunch. Yeah, episode four, right? Yes. That's wild that we got into that territory four episodes in. You've got to go into the new French extremity <sighs> if you're into horror, in yeah. my Episode opinion. one. <laughs> um, but they've done a bunch of other stuff. And, and honestly, Inside's a classic for me. And I think all of us, you know, gave it two thumbs up. And, and it's considered, you know, one of the more classic French extremity movies. But they've done a movie called Livid, which I'm bummed, was on Shudder and just left, which was their follow-up to Inside and was lost in development hell. Uh, we finally got to watch that, or at least I did. Uh, I think through March and April, they've done Among the Living. Candisha is another recent one that they did. Uh, they had their a really big misstep, in, in my opinion, with Leatherface, which is uh, the only movie that I could find in their, f- in their filmography that they didn't write. Uh, and then they gave us The Deep House uh, last year. And this, again, like a lot of their movies, and both movies that we're going to talk about today, very... Small cast, very concise location, Um, but it's an interesting take because this one follows the story of Ben and Tina, and they are aspiring YouTubers who have a channel where Ben likes to take Tina and find these extreme haunts and these extreme locations where they can go get, you know, Get some video and get some clicks and some likes and subscribes, what have you. Uh, but they're on uh, a mission to go find um, where a, uh, a lake where supposedly an entire town was submerged beneath it, uh, one of these man-made lakes that, that happened. And when they get there, well, it's just a giant beach with everybody vacationing and boating and having fun. It's not secluded. It's not creepy. Ben is very upset about this. And then they find Pierre. And Pierre says, hey, I know another part of this lake where I can show you a perfectly preserved house underwater. It's very private. We have to drive a ways to get there. By the way, we have to hike two miles after we drive there. And then you can go down with your scuba gear and you can see this perfectly preserved house. Sounds like a terrible idea to me, but we wouldn't have a movie if they both didn't say sure. So... That's basically the premise of the movie. They find this part of the lake, they get into the water, and the entire movie is them finding this house, becoming trapped in it, of course, and then discovering exactly what the history of this house is as you also go on a journey with Tina and Ben, which, by the way, just terrible fucking names (laughs) or characters. You also go on a journey of Tina and Ben's relationship, uh, which isn't ideal, would I say. Um, however, I like this one. Um, out of the two that we're going to talk about this week, it's probably my second favorite. I, I, the one that I'm saving for my headliner is a, a very impactful movie to me. I, I love it. Uh, but this one's cool because just the original premise, like just doing things underwater is difficult. It's unique. Uh, I appreciate what Bustillo and Mori were taking on. Um, the acting, you can get away with a little bit more when you are just showing people in scuba suits the entire time. So you're not necessarily as reliant upon facial expressions as you are the ADR, like the overdubs. And, you know, people have the opportunity to, you know, give a hell of a performance if you're in a vocal booth and someone's like, no, Tina, scream louder or no, you know, act more scared. Um, but I think it's cool. It's shot beautifully. Uh, there's a lot of what went into the movie that I like a lot. Um, both films that I picked this week, admittedly, have like a, a slow burn and a lot of information packed into the third act. 
Um, and this one, actually both I'm guilty of this week of leading you guys into movies that require multiple watches in order to maybe properly explain them, which I apologize for. Uh, but I dig this one. I'll talk about it a little bit more after I get you guys' take on it. David? Well, I'd like to apologize to any Tinas and Bens out there. I know, <laughs> I know what you're on my behalf. A lot of couples like to listen to the podcast together. I know it's an aphrodisiac. Mm. Um, yeah, we're in, we're in a studio right now, half-owned by a guy named Ben. ben. <laughs> God, God forbid he ever meets Tina. Glad he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> um, I do agree, however that you have to watch both of these movies twice because I had the same uh, reaction to both movies when I first saw them. The first time, I was a little bit underwhelmed by the final act. Um, and this time going in, not uh, expecting like things that had c- come before. Uh, you know, This is definitely Deep House's above average horror movie. It, it's very original. It's like, dazzlingly shot and like mm. the whole uh underwater thing is a is a new thing for spe- like a haunted house uh creepy kind of scenario and uh i like that i this is the first influencer horror movie that i've not been entirely annoyed with <laughs> uh, <Okay>. and, <laughs> and there's fair. there's few like found footage scenes even though they're filming the yes. whole time yeah they don't rely on that too much um and sometimes it bothers me when you jump back and forth between you know those perspectives um i also hold alexandra bustillo and julian mori to a very high standard inside is one of my favorite horror movies of all time it's like simple and brutal and since they made that i feel like they've had a lot of like promising near misses yeah and this is like the closest they've come to making me happy recently um, and I could talk all day about how much I hate the prequel, uh, Leatherface. Hmm. <laughs> that ma- made me almost stop checking for these guys' movies. And, and one of the things that, uh, kind of sucks is like with these international releases, you have to wait to see them. It, there's, they're in this purgatory between international film festival showings and then the American release. So you're reading things online about these movies and you know their previous work and you get all, you're edging for months and then finally you see the movie and you know, I, I don't know, sometimes it can like build it up too much. I think that might happen next week with sadness because we've had that experience just waiting and yeah, waiting and true. seeing people say things about it. Um, but um, I, I think that this is my number two in, in their filmography inside first this would be number two and maybe uh like uh kandisha i like kandisha from 2020 yeah i thought that was very good but i like these filmmakers this gives me promise that they're back on track yeah i agree 100 percent. i thought this was great i loved the deep house um right away this one grabbed me the first time um i've had you know a similar experience with the filmmakers and uh, we can we can talk a little bit about that because um that's something that we've talked about before where you have this, you know, breakout horror filmmaker um, on the international market, and then the first thing that happens once you break out, the first thing that happens is then an American studio wants you to remake Title X. Something. That they've got something. Yes. And that happened with these guys. They were actually attached at one point to Halloween after uh, the Rob Zombie remake. These guys were attached to do this, the sequel, the Halloween 2. That didn't work out. They were attached to the Hellraiser 
reboot at one point, mm. which is we're going to talk about more later because now Bruckner is doing that. Uh, they, I think they walked away from that from what I read. So I think that's a very common pitfall we've seen it time and again. You break out, you do something cool on the independent circuit, and the next thing you know, Hollywood wants to ruin you as fast as they can and disappoint everybody who liked your original movie. So I agree with you, Dave. This kind of restored my faith. I liked Candisha. You know, it was good. It's a good, solid horror movie. I think that, you know, we're not to be expecting something like Inside, to be expecting that kind of like crazy, extreme, kind of like whoa type thing that was, there was a, a whole era of horror um, out of France. Um, you know, I'm not looking for that anymore from anyone i'm just looking for a good solid horror movie which this is really like this i would call this maybe uh the drone house if you like drone shots man yeah. you get forget about the driving drone you know at the beginning you always have to have the driving shot the drone overhead this one the drone goes underwater and and before they go into like you know every star yeah every part of the e- house he has the, an equally uninteresting name tom yeah, tom the, the drone is named tom in this um what what do you call Two YouTubers at the bottom of a lake. Tom? A good start. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I, feel, I feel the same way about movies that are about influencers and YouTubers. They're just as annoying as actual YouTubers and influencers. Um, that said, I liked both of these characters perfectly fine. I don't know. Oh, I, no. I thought, I, I thought, um, you know, Ben and Tina were a, a nice couple. I mean, I... I had no problem with them. Um, I didn't even know it was James Jagger the first time I watched it. Didn't me either. Didn't catch uh, the resemblance. Um, Camille Rowe. I didn't know about her history. She's a model. Done a lot of stuff. Um, I thought they both did like a really good job. I mean, this was filmed underwater in a tank, uh, somewhat similar to Abyss. Like they well, built. They both, they both had stand-ins though. For... Oh, oh, but they were still under the water at some point. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely. So everything is about the eyes and about the recording that you do later everything is about your eyes and how you do the dialogue i i assuming at, at a later date um this i think is really really fun this is on prime right now on vod it's on paramount i would definitely recommend it it's a swift 85 minutes i think it's paced well this is just a good solid meat and potatoes horror i really fucking loved this movie yeah nice, nice. Woo! uh because it honestly really scared me like this was absolutely yeah, it's scary. I turned all the lights off, was like, let's just do this right. And it was I jumped there were a lot here's the thing, there weren't many jump scares, but, but everything good. was the ones that they had were good and then everything else you were just waiting for that jump scare. Yeah, they were baiting you for a lot of the movie. But oh, not it was mostly a fish. You know, oh. the jump scares. That's why you say baiting. Um I it was, you know, obviously spooky haunted house, okay. We've seen that before, but Spooky Haunted House Underwater. Yes. That just fucked me up absolutely so much. Uh, it's a mixture of the thalassophobia and claustrophobia and phasmophobia. So it's like- what, you are, got- what are I know what the middle one was. Can you please tell me what the first and third one? I absolutely can, Kevin. Thank thalassophobia you. is a fear of deep water. Okay. Um, claustrophobia, obviously, tight spaces. And then phasmophobia is a fear of ghosts. Wait. So you get all three in one beautiful package. Um, the story itself, you know, it 
the plot that plot was kind of like a scary stories to tell in the dark kind of you know like whatever i could give or take it but the setting for that just made it work for sure for me um i was just tense and very stressed the entire movie even starting with pierre like the shitty dude like i knew something was going to go down with him he's just like being creepy but it was nice that it wasn't just a movie about one creepy dude who's gonna destroy you it was just like oh yeah that creepy guy yeah, he just fucked you over so hard. And now he's just like, and I'm out. Um, I really liked the mix of the found footage versus the not. And it was just a beautifully shot film. Like whenever it was like the, you know, panning shots or just like the outer shots showing them, you know, going through the house. It was just like, you could tell it was really well done. Um, it just really kept you kind of locked into the movie. It felt like, especially with the point of view, like the first person going, it felt like I was in a horror video game, especially with like mm, the voiceovers. Yeah. This is very, it's very video Like game. as yeah. soon as they start to go underwater and she starts talking, in my mind, it sounds like I'm in a horror, like I'm in um like resident evil or like silent hill and they're just like telling you about the house and oh we're doing this so i feel like that really kept me wrapped in and i and i liked the two characters because they felt like a real couple to me like i didn't like ben at all obviously i worry for your relationship not like my real couple i'm not saying i liked them for the characters that they were but i liked that it seemed like a real couple like this guy being like no it's gonna be fine just come on and she's like I don't really want to. And he's like, no, it's cool. And she's like, no, okay, uh, let's go. And I think they kind of carried that all the way to the end. So I think everybody did a really great job. And I was happy to um, be like very frightened this week. Yeah, I, th- I think the couple to me, I think that James Jagger has been his mixed son. No clue what else he's done. He's a dick. <laughs> like, he's such an like unlikable <laughs> character yeah. in this in this movie. And... You know, it's a horror movie. So, like, we keep calling it original, but, like, literally nothing about this movie other than the setting is, like, very original in terms of if you were to strip down the story or the character arcs just down to paper. You know, Tina does a bunch of dumb shit at the end that inevitably comes back to bite her in the ass. Mm. She continuously follows Ben, who is just a dick the entire movie. You know, oh, put on some music and oh, let's play metal. And yeah. oh, he keeps like he's like some fucking improv actor or something like just he has a terrible like bad boyfriend i don't even want to call it a dad joke because it's doing all of us dads a disservice he's like a <laughs> terrible bad boyfriend joke to everything tina says and then the the actual like haunted house underwater story there's nothing pierre is a super cliche horror character i love pierre the entire never, listen, movie never let the local guy hanging out outside the wine truck Take Never you let anywhere. Just say no thanks. Yeah, we're like I'll drive you, and then we have to hike some more, and then you go underwater. Like, and then this movie does the thing underwater where it's like the classic, like Sydney Prescott from Scream line. Oh, it's just a bunch of girls with big boobs that are running up the stairs instead of out the front door. There's so many scenes in this movie that are still powerful and they are scary, where they're like swimming up when they should be swimming down. It's like it's just taking all of all of the horror cliches and like making them kind of original, mm. and then even like the reveal of what the house is the family that lived there you know why it's haunted and what was happening that's not even like super original but for some reason this movie just works like it's a good journey and they make the most out of like very very little 
You know, the thing I was most disappointed about, and uh, I, I don't know, I'm going to try not to be spoilery here, but um, I think that Pierre should have had a return. I thought that would have made a nice climax uh, with some sort of confrontation with Pierre again. I liked I, his character was scary. Yeah. I, I would have liked to see more of, more of him later on. Well, did you stick around after the credits? There is a post-credit scene. <gasps> oh, you see that? I did not. I did oh, not either. Oh, shit. The credits were playing, and I was like in the kitchen, like complaining about resolve. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was immediately like, turn it off. I'm done now. Like, yeah, there, just like... there is a post-credit scene, and it's a long credits, and then you do get, uh, you do get Pierre, but it's not, it, it may not be what you were looking for, but right. um, that does kind of like, I guess, sort of finish the cycle of this you know, this story, um, I mean, this is a ghost. Both movies this week are ghost stories. They're both haunted house. They're both ghosts. And that's not my favorite genre. I don't love haunted house ghost stories that much because I don't usually find them that scary. But I think what the deep house does is in mashing that up with a, with underwater horror, which we saw the abyss. I mean, not a horror movie, but certainly horror elements. We've talked about Leviathan, Kevin on the Patreon. Talked about underwater um, on the Patreon. Even I would liken this even to um, Event Horizon. Okay, I was going to say, I have now picked That's the, the haunted, haunted house, house in space. space I've now <laughs> yeah. picked the haunted house at the bottom of right. a lake. So it's not, you know, those are both genres that exist and this just kind of mashes them together. But I think that lakes are scary, man. I think that lakes are one of the more underrated scary things whenever, you know, growing up, I always thought that, and I still think that when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're, you're at the camp or you're, you're camping out or whatever, and there's a lake, a dark lake in the middle, there's no lights anywhere, just the stars, you know, and you've got this big, deep body of water, like what's under there? What could come out from the lake? I remember um, there's this movie that I, I wish I knew what it was that's haunted me since I was a little kid where there's a lake and these like zombies all start slowly coming up from the bottom of the lake. Do you know Humanoids from the deep? Maybe humanoids from the deep. I'm not sure if that's the one, but it's very scary. You just see them like coming up from the shore and they're all popping out of the water. So you ever seen a sturgeon? The fish? Yeah. Yeah. Those are scary. I I didn't find out. We were talking about being afraid of piranha and quicksand and stuff like that. I never knew about sturgeon. I was like, oh, lakes, it's all good. <laughs> and if I knew about sturgeon, they're like fucking if dinosaurs. I, I wish that we were on video so everyone could see Dave's. It's all good. <laughs> His jazz hands. <laughs> no, lakes are scary. So uh, to me, that was just a, a brilliant little, you know, little gimmick to get me into this haunted house ghost story because it's so beautiful. Um, the director of photography on this movie deserves mention Ballard. Um, he's done some other underwater stuff. He did a Beyonce video. Um, he, this movie looks incredible. I think that is really, to me, what sells it. It just looks so good when they're in the house underwater. Like, you know, I can't look away. So that's just lending and it's dark. It's murky. You're, you're disoriented. You're cutting back and forth from the drone shots to the, the, the point of view of the character. Um, I just thought that that is really what made this work. Well, it's funny you mentioned, the cat mentioned video games. You mentioned music videos. A lot of people that worked on this were from that world. Right. You know, the guy that did the music, uh, Raphael Gesqua, 
um, he's done a bunch of uh, their movies, uh, the directors, um, but he's also done like a ton of video games. Uh, if you look at the people that work on this, they come from that world. And I think both movies that we're talking about in this episode are so heavily reliant upon sound design. Yes, you know, it's big time. Literally, I think yeah. I texted you guys like, lit, like try to watch this, like both of these in headphones or just like in the dark. You know, they're they're all like they're both very very reliant upon what they did in post production with sound that fucks with you and adds to the scariness. Like, there's something scary about trying to swim away from something that's terrifying to me. And I'm with you, Trent. Like, I grew up next to a lake and was terrified of it my entire life. Yeah, like, just yeah. never like it would. I would have to like really get up some courage to like swim out to that dock. Um, but like, just the the sounds. Oh my! Like when someone says like, "Oh my God, swim!" and like you're watching them, and you know, swimming looks like slow motion, but the bubbling sounds around you and them turning, like just the extra audio of like the water sounds and things like that, made this even more terrifying for me. I I think uh, that you guys are maybe doing it a little bit of not a disservice, but. A confusing review because to say it's like a video game we say that a lot of times in a bad way yeah i thought it was just kind of like a good i was like oh this is good like oh it's spooky it's underwater blah blah and then the moment for me in which i was like oh i'm about to be very frightened i think i don't know why but i, I do know why because people you know were hanging yes without being spoiled yeah. they're hanging hanging and then, from chains hanging from chains you underwater know? Not in a sexy way, yeah. in an impaled, like, Texas chainsaw kind of way. Um, and then, obviously, they're seeing them. They have these masks on. As soon as they take the masks off of them, I'm like, why would you even touch it's them? The du- it's the dumb shit they do, like cliche <laughs> horror movies, yep. where it's like everything, where like, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And then the eyes open. On the Jesus cross? talking about or no, you talking I'm about, talking oh, about the, the, the people, that does, the people yes. when the eyes open and then they're like go and they're like out they're trying it's a thing where they're trying to out swim these just beings that are just walking it's the slow walking towards yeah. them it's yeah. the cliche like the the the, the the bad person is slow. Yeah, but like but they still catch up to them. Every you're time. trapped like, in an underwater house. Like, yes. where else are you gonna go? It was just that was the moment where I'm like squealing, like in my dark living room, just like, oh, getting stop. getting away underwater is literally what nightmares are made of. That's yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm trying to move, but I'm like in water. Like everything so is done in such a like traditional building sense to me, where. Once they're exploring the house, they find the pictures of the family. They look kind of creepy. They find the kids' rooms and all the pictures of the kids. And, well, that seems creepy. Well, here's a, a section of wall that somebody's been clawing at. Okay. There's a giant Jesus statue on the wall of the kitchen. That seems really weird. Uh, oh, what's there's a behind trap door behind door? that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when they go to leave... And their exit, the moment when they realize that their their entrance, which now needs to be their exit, is no longer what it was when they came in. That is like the real horror clincher moment. You're yeah. like, oh, the man. The added like, yeah. psychological element of it, I guess. Thank you for bringing yeah. that up. The added like psychological element, and this is kind of video gamey and not in um, a, a negative way, Dave, is no, that wasn't negative. when they realize they can't leave, 
the first thing they talk about is how much oxygen do we have left and it's exactly right. how much of the movie like you could yeah, like hit yeah, the yeah. down button on your remote and they're like we have 57 minutes and like you hit the down button and it's like there's 57 minutes left in the movie what the <laughs> fuck like <laughs> again that mashup of being stuck underwater is scary enough, but now you have a supernatural element. So you're not even dealing with the realities of like, you can't get out of this thing, but you're going beyond that into like the spiritual world where anything can happen at that point. You can't trust your own senses. And you're not even getting along with your partner. Yeah. And it, well, I had a question like, because it didn't take long before, uh, especially Tina is, is like hyperventilating and they're disoriented and there's talk about you know the oxygen and all that, and I was wondering at, if any of this was hallucinations. Yep, that's you know a good I mean? question. Um, yep, I think that I think both movies. These movies have so much in common beyond yeah, house. That applies. Like, that applies to the next. It's movie really even interesting. More, I think. Like I think I just was thinking that they both have house in the title, but there's so many similarities between these movies, and that's definitely one of them. You have to wonder the perceptions of the characters and the reliability of the narration. Like what are they seeing? What's really happening and what's in their minds? I think plays in big. Camille Rowe in the last movie we talked about steep house. She dated Harry Styles who my daughter and I am obsessed with, and he has a new album coming out called Harry's House. You're that is the connection. <laughs> <laughs> but The Night House, another 2021 movie, we'll call it. This one has been ready since 2020, but was a victim of the pandemic. However, uh, they, they held it back, and this one's directed by David Bruckner. We've talked about him before with The Ritual, and Bruckner will also be bringing us the Hellraiser reboot. He has a pretty good horror pedigree so far. He did a great opening segment in the original VHS that we talked about. He did a segment in Southbound, uh, a great segment in a movie called The Signal. Uh, the Ritual, I think, was him coming into his own. Uh, but, you know, The Nighthouse for me is him really kind of planting his foot firmly in the world of horror. Um, this one, uh, it, it, it stars Rebecca Hall, who Dave got me obsessed with when he made us watch the movie Christine, which, you know, we debated pretty heavily, should this be, you know, a horror movie or an evil movie? However, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen an actress uh, pull off uh, in any movie that we've watched on this show. And she plays Beth. So Beth is a, a school teacher. I believe it's upstate New York. She has recently lost her husband to a very unforeseen suicide. And now she's living in this beautiful lake house that he, as an architect, d uh, designed and built for them. And immediately following the death of her husband, Owen, she starts experiencing supernatural events in the house, which she thinks is Owen reaching out to her from the afterlife. What transpires is she starts to discover, did I even know my husband? Do I even know the house that I live in? And I guess I'll save it for spoilers, but you discover a lot of things. Owen was maybe building another house. Owen maybe had some other stuff going on on the side, wink, wink. 
and it's really uh, literally the entire movie follows Rebecca Hall. I don't know if there's a shot in this movie that she's not in other than some flashbacks or things like that. Um, and to me, it was a journey into the world of depression and hit me really hard. Um, I think that this is probably one of my favorite movies of the last couple years. Uh, I myself got to experience this in theaters by myself when I was living in Memphis and had an unexpectedly packed theater of strangers. And there's a lot of jump scares. Like I said in the previous segment, this is very audio based and it scared the shit out of me at times. And when I was watching it in the theater, I had a lot of good moments with other theater goers like laughing, like making eye contact with someone that you just screamed. <laughs> and then you kind of look at each other and laugh like, can you believe that, bro? Uh, that really just got me. Um, however, uh, this one is uh, one of, uh, again, like the Deep House, it's another kind of confusing one. It's a slow burn up until the third act where they pack in a whole bunch of stuff. On paper, again, this one isn't anything like wildly original, but it is, you know, equally as confusing as the Deep House can be when you're getting into some of the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but also the reason that I consider this my headliner is it deals with a lot of lore. And one of the things I love that Bruckner has done with like the ritual and some of his other segments is he like creates this lore out of nothing, like very thin ties to things that you could potentially research, um, but really it's just kind of like misguiding you from what his actual purpose is. Like in the ritual, there's a lot of relationships and guilt, I think in that one. In this one, I think it's a lot of depression and guilt and how you might project that onto other people. I like this one a lot. I thought it was an interesting mystery kind of plot, you know, trying to find out what her her dead husband was up to, you know, what was he about, who was he, kind of a situation. You're kind of going with her as you're kind of trying to learn about this character. Um, I love Rebecca Hall anyway, obviously. Always team Rebecca Hall. Uh, so watching her on screen again was obviously a pleasure. And... I think she's just very good at playing this type of character that's dealing with like a traumatic, you know, depression situation and doing it very well. She just portrays it very realistically. Um, so I feel like she's kind of found her niche in this kind of situation, but I'll watch her kind of play anything. Um, she towed the line as a character of like being someone who's grieving but also like trying not to make someone feel uncomfortable like very well. Like there's that bar scene where she's making jokes and being like, ha ha ha, my husband died. Ha ha ha. And yeah, everyone's like, yeah. do we laugh? And well, she's the scene like, we're watching now where she handles a Karen perfectly. Yeah. It's just like, a, oh, I'm sorry. My husband died. And it's like, okay, what? All right. Sorry. You know? So it's that moment where she handles it very well of like, you know, being with her friends, it's like, how many, how can you make jokes? And then just be like, oh, I'm kidding. And then someone's like, don't joke about that. Like, that's not funny. And it's like, well, it's funny to me because I'm the one who's grieving. So I thought that one was, that part was like a very interesting and well done part that kind of then got us into the spookiness of this. So this is like obviously a very, a, a very similar plot to the one we just watched where it's, um, a ghostly kind of situation, which I like. I like a supernatural paranormal situation. So it was a fun week for me. Um, 
I was kind of hoping I liked the ending. I I thought it was interesting. I just was hoping for more of like a climactic one, I think. Mm. Like you oh, you found out that he's that her husband's always oh, doing this and this and this. And it was an interesting plot for sure but then the the ending was kind of just like a and that happened but did you watch it one time i did watch it one time kevin i will say that but and i was talking i was talking with trent about this i was like i think i'm gonna watch it again because i had watched it earlier in the week i'm like i think i'm gonna watch it again because now i understand everything that's going on but then i was like i don't really i never had moments watching it where i was like well why is this happening why is that happening because the whole time I knew her husband was up to something. You know what I mean? It was like that moment of, he's up to something. I don't think he's cheating on her, but like that note that he wrote, that doesn't mean that and blah, blah, blah. And so by the time I got to the end, I didn't really think like I had missed anything on my first watch. I had gotten it all, but then by the end I was like, oh, okay. And then I, I would watch it again for sure. I just didn't think it was necessary in this instance to give it another watch. Cause I kind of understood everything and was like, Oh, okay. But I still wanted more. I wanted like a breakdown. I wanted something more than just the boat. I wanted the statue to happen. Nothing's there. There is nothing. There is nothing, man. I'm so glad I got to see this again. Thank you, Kevin. I saw this in the theater myself. Um, and I loved it while I was watching it. I was really into it, but it seemed to fade so fast after I saw it that when I left the theater, I was like, man, that was, you know, that was great. But then, but like, by the time I got home, I was like, wait a minute, ah, that wasn't, that was nothing, you know, like <laughs> it was weird. And so then by the, by the time I was talking about it to people, I was like, I don't know about the night house. Uh. <laughs> And uh, I was just, I just talked to a, a friend of mine and, and a listener of the show, um, Rodney, uh, shout out. He just watched it for the first time because uh, we were going to be talking about it. And so I got to talk to, to him about his first impression was exactly the same as mine and, and the same as yours too, Kat. Like there's something unsatisfying about the third act or the final act. And there's, there's, there's something, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying that, um, it's there's a problem with you if you're unsatisfied because I was unsatisfied for me going back and watching again. I think that I still have problems with the movie. And I think that this movie wants to be like two things at the same time. And and I think that's where sometimes it doesn't satisfy it. It's not a genre horror capital G movie. It wants to be elevated it's no hereditary. So I, I, I think that it, it feels kind of trapped between genre horror and a more prestige genre. And it, it's, it doesn't really, I don't think it elevates to the level of a prestige genre. I don't think it elevates to the level of a hereditary, which would be kind of the benchmark um, for me. But it does something really unique. It, it's its own thing. And I really, really appreciate it now, having watched it again. I feel like the whole thing is kind of a big misdirection. It, it's kind of, it's misdirecting you the whole time. And I think, unfortunately, that can set you up for feeling like you didn't get what you wanted out of the end. But if you watch it a different way and you think about it a different way, I think it's actually like pretty profound 
um, statement about depression and about uh, grief and loss. Um, and in that sense, now, you know, with some um, perspective, I really, really enjoyed watching this. Um, this is a great one. And this is on, on HBO right now. Um, it's still like 15 bucks to VOD. So if you have HBO, wow. yeah, yeah, still pricey. Um, I would definitely recommend The Night House. Um, I think that there's a lot to think about here. Um, the Night House reminds me uh, a lot of my new album that's coming out this July <laughs> when I first got wow. here. Dave Gutter. Wow. Yeah. Two years. Woo. Two years yeah. until, uh, for you to plug something. Well, I didn't, I didn't really. When he did the Harry Styles thing, I was like, I, it occurred to me that we're, in, we're influencers. I mean, it, I, mean I, I didn't. Harry's, Dave, do you want Harry's to go selling find, some records, man. He's all good. He's all house. good. I know a house we can scuba dive down to. Harry's house. Um. So again, uh, I can't help but compare this to its predecessor, uh, The Ritual. Yes. The other uh, David Bruckner film we've spoken about, and also his short we talked about. Um, but I'm not. I I think I like The Ritual better, but I'm not sure. It just put an expectation in my head that I couldn't shake uh, the first watch through. Like I, it wasn't. Uh, brutal enough for me and like yeah the the arc of the story was completely different and i just off that one movie i'm like all right this is what i expect from david bruckner and that didn't happen so i think the first time i watched it i was like like where's the giant like hammerhead reindeer and yeah, yeah, like, yeah you know, like, exactly <laughs> that's what i was waiting for yeah <laughs> oh, and you know so like uh it's way different than the ritual um and this time watching it I definitely got the 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 grief, the deep grief angle, and um, I love what they do um, with. He was an architect, and they do a thing we actually talked about. We talked about hereditary. Is you see something that you think is one thing, it looks like a face or a head. They they almost overdo that in this. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, uh, it's, it's I love quite it though. Good. It's like at, at a bigger scale. Like oh, I'm sure that that's been your thing. Every time I say any criticism of this movie, you tell me about the movie theater experience. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Which is like rubbing my nose at it. I mean, I would have liked to have gone to the movies, but maybe I. Well, you could you could have come and visited me in Memphis. I don't know. Yeah, I should have. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like this a lot better the second time. I was super psyched uh, to just sit down and watch it. Um, I like the the parallels, uh, like the two houses, the backwards stuff. The reverse house. Yeah. The night house. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like all that stuff. I like her trying to um, break apart the codes of like the the house schematics and pictures and uh, his suicide letter. Uh, which I did love. Like that, one of my favorite things about this is how much information is in the suicide letter. Yes, uh, for like what three sentences? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and uh, a part of it reminds me of like Final Destination, and like I love that sort of uh, yes. cheating death horror. I, something about that, uh, like not necessarily heaven or hell, but we're just going to talk about something different, and that is scary to me. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have gone theological for sure, but that's what I was getting at when I love, like, the ritual, like, how Bruckner seems to, like, create lore that, like, has very loose ties to things, and it could go somewhere that we've been. Upon a first watch, I wanted more, like, and Kat, you said that, like, I, you wanted it, like, wrapped up in a bow, but I don't think you do, because when you go back and watch it and you get some of, like, the loose threads and stuff, and you said, like, 
there was nothing that you thought like you had to go back and get. I think there's a lot you have to go back and get. And you guys brought this up when we were talking about the Deep House, how how much of that could have been, you know, hallucinations or, I mean, a lot of this movie, the entire movie is through the eyes of Rebecca Hall. So how much of that is real? There's so much to think about here. And when you're like, oh, well, here's why the husband was doing the things he was doing as she goes to like literally discover, did she even know the man that she loved and was married to for what, 14, 15 years? Well, why was he doing it? We could debate that forever as well. It's not clear. Like it could be the reason that we're, I guess, potentially given in the movie, it could be something completely different. Yeah, I guess from my point of view, I just, ne- I just from the start, I knew she wasn't communicating with her husband. Like, right off the Spoiler. bat, I was just like, well, it's I a think tiny it will help. one. Honestly, like, listening, if we spoil this movie, I think it would actually help, even yeah. if you haven't seen it before. Just like so. a tiny, sp- like, I knew she wasn't talking to her ex, like, it just didn't have that vibe, like right off the bat. And that's another thing I think to give Rebecca Hall credit for, you know, where it's like she made it, see- she was trying hard to be like, this is my husband. But like then the the rest of the, um, like the film's aura was just kind of like, nah, that's not it. Like I could just pick up that she wasn't talking to him. And so I definitely think it, I the whole time I was like final destination final destination <laughs> like the whole time like yeah he wants you get it yeah I think the thing that kind of annoyed me with this is that there was a twist and they didn't put a very fine point on the twist uh, I didn't like the way it was like delivered like the way the twist came out uh, I thought it could have been way because you haven't smarter. watched it enough times bro <laughs> it's true, it's true. Um, I don't know I was just I even this time watching it through uh, I realized like, oh, it's just this dialogue that comes out and instead of, it could have been something that happens. You know what I mean? All right, so you haven't, if you haven't watched this yet, Trent said go? it, it's on HBO Max. Are you going to uh, j- Yeah, I, we can't. I can't continue the, the conversation or this <laughs> argument or healthy debate, let's call it, with you guys without just going right down the hole. Divorce. What, divorce? Let's call it a divorce. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you, Dave, you said um, the twist. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the twist. I guess the twist would be finding out what her husband was actually doing. Is that what you mean? Now? Let's let's go let's ahead. Tell and, them. I just announced it. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. announced it. Yeah, yeah. So the twist by the twist, you mean finding out what Owen the intentions, what he was doing, and why the intentions. He right. was. Well, that's why he was killing women that looked well, like there her. Was a, there was because right. he was twist. sacrificing them to save her from her fate coming to get her from nothing. Right. Nothing. I think the nothing, like, I don't know. I, I, the nothing is the nothingness of depression. And her, she, when she talks about, that's why in the movie early, she talks about, like, I was always the one that struggled with dark thoughts and depression. Ben was, like, the, the one that helped me through and that always saw the bright side. I kind of think, and I think that's one of the problems, is that the, the supernatural part is so silly like, okay, so she was in an accident when she was a teenager, a car accident, and she died for four minutes. She was dead. And during that four minutes, she saw that there's nothing after this life. There's no heaven. There's no bright light. She saw the spoiler. She saw the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so Now, I don't know when she met Ben, but I guess this, this nothing was 
didn't care about her until she met Ben. Uh, yeah, you I just, know. Her you get life, into this kind of well, silly stuff. She always had these dark thoughts. Right. I think when she met Ben, it's that it started whispering to him. Right. Like, hey, she hasn't right. given in to like this depression yet. Right. Can you help me? Right. Like, get her. I want her back. I think. I think. <sighs> Ben is like, or, or Owen, sorry. Um, I think Owen is like sort of a sacrifice. Um, the sacrifice I think some people make when they are trying to keep someone from the abyss. If, I mean, if, if, if your partner is struggling so mightily with the dark side and, you know, with a depression and with, with, um, with dark ideation and stuff like that, there's a, a sacrifice that's made there. And I, I, to me, if this movie's about something, it's really more about that. And I think that it goes a little far with the horror mumbo jumbo about the spirit and, and, and the murdering and this and that. Like, well, I, I mean, mean Lord, come on, like, that's, like that's for, low level. That's low level for stuff. For me, it, it was what hit me so hard upon subsequent watches was she has dealt with this her entire life or at least after she was 17 and she got in the car accident and died and she's been struggling with this and now her seemingly like jovial husband has just literally put a fucking gun in his mouth and killed himself and now she's wondering was it my depression like she uh, right she says like maybe i dragged him down like double guilt yeah like she's already going through life and that to me and then the ending was so heartbreaking because it was like you can never get away from this but Mm. i mean like it had a very dark ending for me that like literally left me in tears like oh you're just fucked like this movie's basically just saying hey depression's a real thing it affects those around you it's going to continue and guess what no matter what happens or what anyone does for you you're stuck with this. Yes, I think that's kind of the. I think that's what you walk away from. Both movies had um, unhappy endings this week, which I mm. I appreciate. I, I did. You know, I like a nice little packaged, packaged bow situation at the end. This one at least had some kind of resolution. What was the revolution or the resolution in your mind, like? The thing, the, nothing is still there. That's I know, a, but like, like... Nothing is there. Like, literally, Mel says that. She didn't pull the trigger on the boat that day. She didn't... All right, she didn't die underwater. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. The other one was just, you know... They... Okay, they both had resolutions. They just weren't the ones that I wanted. Yes. No. Yeah, I yes. wanted the, the statue... The, the the statue that she finds, I thought that that's what he would have to do for the sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about this kind of sacrifice, it's cool, is, um, you know, my wifey is a twin, so I I could just grab the twin and throw it to the volcano god anytime I'm in this kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you can trick. The volcano. Yeah, the the spirits are very dumb. Apparently, you can just build a shack in the woods <laughs> and think it's they think it's your house, and you can bring yeah. anyone yeah, out so there. To cl- so to clarify, <laughs> like, it's actually fifty one A. Yeah. So to clarify, her husband has built an a house that's the exact opposite of theirs, and he is going and finding women that look just like. Beth, Rebecca Hall, and he's killing them. And then he's also somehow researched a totem that looks like something right out of Hellraiser. So Bruckner, Bruckner, keep that going. Um, And he's trapped that totem in water that is supposed to trick the nothing 
into thinking that his sacrifices are constantly giving him Beth, right. which nothing has wanted since she escaped death uh, when she was 17 for, for four minutes. I thought the folklore mumbo jumbo in the ritual was much more. Uh, I agree. It's just because it gave you a big fucking giant deer monster. Okay, well. No, the folklore I'm talking about. I'm talking about the backstory that's not true, but you kind of believe no, in yeah, it. Yeah, that monster was kind of real too, in the ritual. That, that was a real Norwegian. folklore. Yeah, I, I forget what it's called. The Norwegian. It was like the troll. Antler an- monster. Antler monster. <laughs> I don't know. You know, antler monster. Like um, reindeer. Well, antler. I appreciated that in, in the night house, uh, she doesn't have to go to the library or like go get microfiche. Her husband already has the occult books right in the house already. She, for, she does go library. to the library. She, well, <laughs> she goes the to the bookstore. occult bookstore. The bookstore. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's time tested. You go to the occult bookstore. You say, hey, I have these books. What else do you have by this author? She says, that's very funny. Um, but uh, my theory is uh, whatever he was doing, whatever Owen was doing, he built the house and he, he had the... The um, the voodoo doll, I guess, for lack of a, a better word, the um, Louv- the Louvre doll. He did not kill people. The bodies under the house that wasn't real. I what? think it totally was. That was not real. No, he really? maybe he had a flirtation with the uh, the woman from the uh, the bookstore, and maybe he did like get kind of um, a little violent with her or, or, or at least like seemed like he might get violent, you know, sexually or something like that. That happened cause she's real for certain though. I, I don't think he, he was killing people. I think that that that's where it, the horror mumbo jumbo no, gets to be sacrificing them in her place. Uh, yeah, I think so. She but was hammered. Nothing. She was out of her mind drunk and she went out there in the rain and she thought she saw bodies under the house. That, what do you mean? I think that was she all in her them. mind. But what about, the, what about one of the great scares in the movie where she's outside and yes, to, yes, Trent brings up a good point. She's fucking hammered this entire movie. Right. She has found his stash of brandy. Yes. She's slugging it. She even says at, at one point, like, "Oh, brandy." Well, I haven't like what, I haven't acquired the taste. But right. She's but still she's drinking it in it. every scene. But yeah. there's the scene where she's outside and she sees all of those. I guess they're ghost women running past her and right. launching themselves. Over the ledge next to the lake that they that they, uh, that they live in or yeah. live next to, um, that I mean that to me I think was nothing. Again, now that he's been freed because she took the totem out of the night house, right? She found the bodies, like all this. She's freed him, and he's now free to come and fuck with her, and he's showing her all of the things that Owen did, and he's trying to drive her to kill herself. She's well, showing it, them but- like. All the like, I, I think he was killing all these people. Well, the the thing that was driving to kill her, driving her to kill herself, that was all in her mind. That's her, that's her dark, um, what she struggles with. That's her depression. So that's why did not Owen, a real? So why did Owen kill himself? Um, I'm not sure. Because he was doing all this fucked up stuff for Beth to protect her. I, I would have appreciated more of a horror movie. I don't think it was quite brutal enough for me. Yeah, like I, w- yeah. I was expecting more of a horror movie from Bruckner, and it was very much a thriller. I thought. I mean, we got a glimpse of some dead bodies. It under is more a, of a thriller under a board, and there's like some ghosty stuff, and there's like the you know the fingerprints on the glass footed that effect thing is cool, but I didn't know if it was more of a, a thriller. I think so. it was yeah. sc- it was scarier to yeah, me than most jumps. horror yeah. movies. That's like, true. That is again, true. the audio design, like yeah. 
Um, well, the, the the thriller horror line is always kind of blurry. We we've talked yeah. about a lot of movies that I think thriller is kind of an offshoot horror meld genre. I, I mean, I think even her friend Claire. Um, I don't know if any of you guys watch Barry. I don't. No, Sarah HBO, Goldberg. But yeah. Sarah yeah. Goldberg uh, apparently has is very well regarded for her role in Barry. Oh, but she's a great yeah. friend to Claire, so she's another teacher at the school. And again, I think this proves that everything is real in terms of how the movie's theme is how depression can affect those around you. And that Claire is such a good friend to her and at the end actually ends up being like a bigger light that pulls her away as as nothing is trying to get her. Claire's the one that saves her. So I think everything that was happening is real and it's like literally a character study of all of these people in the movie and saying what in your life could actually save you, as, as you said, Trent, for, for that day uh, okay. from, from pulling yeah. the trigger. Yeah, but okay, Claire went to her house because she called Claire in the middle of the night drunk, babbling, and then didn't hang up and left the phone and then went out into her boat and went out into the lake and was having like an episode and so Claire thought that she might be in danger of killing herself because of everything she's gone through and went out there to save her. See, again, I don't think it was really the horror mumbo jumbo, I, I think, is too played up to the extent that it becomes more than what it's supposed to be, I think. I don't think that was real. I think that Claire was trying to save her from self-harm and she got her in the nick of time. To me, that's... I mean, how many times have I called you like that? So many. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the uh, the soundtrack you mentioned the sound design, but the score to this was done by Ben Lovett, who did the score for the Ritual. He actually did the score for the Wolf of Snow Hollow, which we talked about yes. on our um, Werewolves episode. He's done the score for the Into the Dark series on Hulu. He's done stuff for Adult Swim, um, and I, I found some stuff where he's talking about his approach to the score of this movie, which is really smart, and I think it's really effective. Also, I never knew the song The Cavalry Cross yeah, by Richard either. Thompson. It's great. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Richard, Richard and Linda Thompson. Well, yeah, written by Richard, performed by Richard and Linda Thompson. That's a name that I always just see Richard Thompson spoken of with great reverence, but I've never heard his music. And when I watched this movie, I thought this must be some kind of like contemporary band that I don't know. Um, no, Richard Thompson, amazing. Yeah, yeah and Ben song. Lovett. Ben Lovett stuff is great. He's done a bunch of other horror stuff, like I Trapped the Devil, uh, but he's also done work um, with Chris Waller of Hot Water Music and Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio. Oh, okay. So he does like a bunch of like huh. like indie rock stuff. Um, yeah, look him up for sure. And and that uh, you posted it today, I think Trent on the Instagram. Yeah, um, there's cool stuff of him talking about his approach to not just this movie, but music in general. Uh, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, the sound design and the music in this is is literally one of the biggest stars of the movie. You know, both flicks we talked it's about a, have very small cast. Yeah, it's a character. Yeah, it's it's an act. Yeah, it's an absolute character in the movie. And Hall was a producer on this too. Rebecca Hall was uh, an executive producer, so makes sense. I mean, it's just the biggest Hall showcase. She's finally not Chubbuck to me anymore. After this yeah, movie, I, I can finally see I, Rebecca Hall and well, not just this, think Chubbuck. This is, this is her redeeming herself for Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> I mean, she's in so many movies about suicide. It's so dark. There can be only one alpha. Oh, my God. 